Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. You have arrived at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking, hostess with the mostest of Black in the Garden. Previously on Black in the Garden. So in your garden, you know, once you plant a seed, watch it germinate, caretake it until it's mature and then harvest it and Mm -hmm. feed your family from that crop. Naturally, you're going to want to do it again. It's going to get good to you. You're going to get better and better and better at it. You're going to seek people who are doing the same. You're going to trade with people who are doing the same. Naturally, that's going to pull you away from being a consumer. That's going to pull you out of that drive-through lane. That's going to pull you out of that quick fast food snack. That's not fueling you. That's doing nothing but destroying you. So not only are you saving a dollar, you're saving time. You're saving a trip to the, to the grocery store, a trip to the fast food restaurant, or, you know, uh, you're staying at home, you're reinforcing uh, sustainability and self-sufficiency. You're teaching your child how to nurture in nature. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. It just depends on what time you're listening. What's popping, everybody? Soil Cousins. This is your girl, Colaby talking. Your hostess with the mostest joining you, joining me at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture. I'm glad y'all here. What's, what's up? You look good. You smell good. You, I hope you're hydrated. Y'all drink some water. If you Listen, if you're not hydrated right now, because this is important. It's the summer, okay? If you fresh on this episode when it when it first popped off, then it's it's coming out in the summer and you should definitely be hydrated during that time. So that is one of my PSAs. I have another big PSA coming up after this because there's just certain announcements that we need to be making, but we'll get to that. Uh, like I said, I'm your girl, Cola B. Talking here at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture. And as this show evolves, I'm just learning more about myself and I'm learning more about how this goes and how it flows. I've not quite done this specifically before. So, you know, it's a, it's a learning experience. It's a whole learning curve and doing this as a one person effort is interesting. Okay. Uh, That's putting it mildly, but it is very interesting. And I am overall grateful to be able to do it at all and extremely grateful to have the support that that has just been building as we've been going forward. So uh, my bad for this particular episode being a little bit late, but let me just be specific about what the delay was, if I can be specific, because it's hard to put my finger on it. However, I just needed to go ahead and record. I figured it out. Oh my God. I'm so glad. I just, I really had to talk it out and (laughs) I'm going to be honest. It's been very complicated for me in figuring everything out. Let me tell you what it is. Cause I do this all the time. Burying the lead. Editing. It's editing myself. I get on my damn nerves, listening back, rambling and then having to pull it together in a way that is coherent enough for you to understand it. Now, that's all me, but I'm glad that I figured that out because it turns out that I need to I need to get some assistance with editing so that that is one less job that I am doing. I'm doing a lot of jobs in putting this whole thing together as an individual one person person. And that's we problem solving. So thank y'all for listening and helping me figure it out. Now, anyone who uh, has any suggestions for a good editor that, that helps with this type of thing, with podcasts specifically, go ahead and shout me out at, uh, send me an email to blackinthegarden at gmail.com. Help me help you. You like the show, you want the show to be better, then yes, since I figured out that I need some editorial assistance, 
we're going to get us an editor. Boom. That's going to be lit. And that way, yes, boom, it flows. It just flows. So that's just a little bit of housekeeping. Glad that we sorted that out. Thank you. And you're welcome. Once again, being grateful for the fact that we are able to continue with this and continue to be black and continue to be in the garden and have access to that space that allows us refuge, that allows us escape, that allows us therapy. Because like in all, in all honesty, I need some, you probably need some, even if you have some, you might need a little bit more, but shout out to the garden for being a great place for therapy. So I wanted to, I just wanted to say that we should absolutely have arrested the cops who killed Breonna Taylor by now. And for whatever reason, well, no, there's a reason because I'm always trying to link everything to the garden or gardening. So that's what I was trying to do with that. But it's just like, actually, no, just arrest them. Just arrest them. And I'll do my best to make some kind of a connection. But what it turns out to be is a moment of transparency, which is this. It's a good thing. It's a realization. It is all for the good of everything, according to Black in the Garden, because what happens when we leave the garden is that we're still Black. And I feel like I might have said this on a previous episode, but it is worth repeating that when we leave the garden, we are still Black. Okay. And as we are in the garden, we are so frequently the story is shared of entering that space as a form of escaping from the trauma that is very heavy upon us as a result of living in the world as it is, which is a world that presents a lot of uncertainty for our, hmm, what is the word I'm looking for? It's not fatality. It's mortality. Listen, I told y'all I know words. Listen, it just, it's a real thing for you to, for one to a black person to be in a relationship with, let's say, somebody who go to the store a lot, like a smoker, right? And this smoking ass individual got to go to the store several times a day, especially at night. If you have experienced the kind of anxiety that you feel when you know that your loved one who is black is going out into the world after dark and you just kind of you know, when, when tension is high, like it has been, that can be traumatic. Just, just something as simple as wanting to go and get a pack of whatever from the store or needing to go and get some kind of school supply for your kids science project from the, the late night, whatever situation is popping at that hour. But to have to go out at night in particular, but unfortunately, it could be any time of day. Like it truly could be any time of day. Sandra Bland was pulled over in the middle of the day. All right. Whew, okay. I'm trying to calm down. I'm going to calm down because I mean to get, I'm getting up there and I'm thinking about Ahmaud Arbery being accosted. I don't even know. He was attacked in the middle of the day, like daylight. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter what kind of music you like. It doesn't matter whether you can name every member in the band Queen or if you know some songs by Guns N' Roses or if you have a lot of gold teeth or no gold teeth, or if your hair is straight or not straight, 
what is that nappy i guess whatever it don't matter it could be a wig it could be jet black it could be bright pink it could be dreadlocks it could be pixie cut it don't matter that none of these things will shield us from the unwelcome and it's not just unwelcome it is the the prejudiced gaze of people who are in positions of authority that have the ability to do things to us uh, without consequence, terrible things to us, fatal things to us. And so it doesn't really matter if that's related to gardening or not. We are at the intersection of black culture and horticulture. And, you know, when I started this show, see, that's an, I'm telling you, the show is evolving. I'm evolving with the show. So this is pretty cool because as that's happening, it's like a whole journey. So I feel like what's been happening in the beginning is it's been like a personal journal and that's all good. I mean, I'm so glad that we get to go on this journey together. We just hop right in at the intersection of black culture and horticulture and we just pick a way to go. Okay. We are, there's so much more that we are currently fighting for and need to fight for, and we will continue in the meanwhile, definitely, if you have not at the very least signed the petition, look in the show notes or go to justiceforbriana.org. That is justice for Brianna, B-R-E-O-N-N-A dot O-R-G, so that you can sign that petition. I know words. And, uh, and also look at that website for other actionable ways that you can, uh, push for that and continue to push for all the ways that we can fight for liberation. Cause listen, we gonna have to fight. All right. Now let's get into this episode. Let's get into this interview with Gerard, uh, the Brooklyn plant dad, who is an amazing subject, a horticulturalist, uh, born to parents who was already gardening before he even, <laughs> he was even born, which I love and so much more. And I want you to enjoy it. The thing that's interesting and fun and special about this particular interview, going back to how I opened the show with transparency about how I'm just figuring, I'm just figuring this shit out y'all like bear with me, but I appreciate y'all. So the first part of the interview was recorded in the winter. All right, my bad. Let me be a little bit more specific. In processing all of the content from the interviews that I've recorded since I started recording, that particular segment, it got a little bit mixed up in everything. Everything, because it was a lot. And so I'm like, oh, snap, cannot wait to put this interview out. But we talked about so many things. Of course, it was pre-pandemic and so on and so forth. He went to Japan and came back and all of that. So, and it was also a whole different season. So I did get to catch up with him and there is the, the, towards the end of the segment basically is a, an updated version of a briefer conversation that we had recently. You see how I tried to tie it all together? Does that, all right, just rock with me. It's, it's going to be lit. So I appreciate y'all. And I hope that y'all enjoy learning more about our botanical brother, Gerard. Today on Black in the Garden, we are going to speak with a real live actual horticulturist. And that is the Brooklyn plant dad who I have been looking forward to speaking with you today. Good sir. Thank you so much for joining us on Black in the Garden. Good afternoon. Thank you for the introduction. Let's, let's get at it. Of course. So I know that you're known as the Brooklyn plant dad. And, you know, of course, that implies adulthood. But I want to know about the little Brooklyn plant dad. Like, were you always in Brooklyn? Um, tell me about your childhood and when you when you got interested in plants, if that was the time. OK, um, childhood. I, I'm born in New Jersey um, from a Brooklyn fam- family. 
My dad's from Crown Heights, mom from Flatbush, dad from Haiti, mom from Jamaica, um, born in New Jersey. I didn't come out to Brooklyn until after college. And I also didn't get into plants until after college. Childhood, uh, growing up in New Jersey, coming to Brooklyn for holidays, plants, and probably all Brooklyn plant that started, not maybe 2016 was everything to come with it. 2016. So definitely Brooklyn through and through, but plant dad, that is something that you, you started, you know, that endeavor as you were an adult. And so I know you're a, you're a certified horticulturist. Uh, tell us where you, how that process got started for you and how you got to become a horticulturist. Currently I'm working to be a certified horticulturist. So although I, I work as a horticulturist, um, I'm currently taking classes at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. I'm in, it's a certificate of horticulture program. I'm okay. in my fourth of eight classes. I have my next class in March. So that's, that's something I've been able to not only work, I've got to learn. So that's another reason behind it. I love it very much. There's so <laughs> Wow, there's so much to that because I understand that, uh, and help me understand how this works. Help us understand. I'll try my best. As, as you do horticultural work and you are a horticulturist by trade, is it necessary to have certification in order to call yourself horticulturist? Like, how important is that? Good question. And I think it comes back to a lot. I. So I am working to be a horticulturist as far as horticulturist is like specialized plants. I've worked in a lot of different types of plants, starting in urban agriculture, working my way to gardening. And from gardening is where I led into horticulture. So from interior landscaping, exterior landscaping, gardens, rooftop gardens, so horticulture is probably the big picture of it. And mm -hmm. I'm working to be certified in that. I'm halfway through my classes. Uh, horticulture is the goal. House plants right. section of horticulture, gardening, big section of horticulture. I want to be certified in all of it. And I'm hoping to in the next year, maybe two years. It sounds like you're you got a plan and I know that you're working hard toward that. So shout out to you for, you know, keeping that big picture in mind. And I know that you are wow, you listed so many things. Like you're doing outdoor things, you're doing indoor things. Let's go back a little bit further to when your interest in plants got started. Like how did what sparked your interest? Was it a particular experience or something that you saw? Can you tell us about how yeah. that started? And that's something I'm trying to get better at telling my story just because I've had so many people who have been there from the beginning and all of them are still here. So telling my story is something I need to do. But uh, my dad is all-star gardener. Uh, I live in New Jersey. I live in the back of a neighborhood to where we have wilderness. We have trees. We have a front yard, beautiful front yard, flowers in the front yard, um, always from growing up. And then it wasn't until after college when I was home to where I wanted to take over the duties, um, stuff that I could, I could do. I wanted to learn about it. I started composting, using my compost in the garden, flowers in the front yard, vegetables in the back. And this was all back in New Jersey, my hometown, maybe about 40 minutes out of uh, Penn Station, New York. Okay. Okay. So you said that you, you do currently live in New Jersey? Uh, no, I'm in Brooklyn now. I, I've, been, I've been in Brooklyn for the past three years gardening. When I moved out to Brooklyn was when I moved out with the intention to live as a gardener. That was my oh. move behind coming to Brooklyn. So you, you see, this is what makes me even more um, curious. I'm like, okay, so you were in Jersey, and what you said is that you wanted to live out 
your gardening dreams kind of in a way, and correct me if I'm wrong. And so you've decided on Brooklyn as the destination for that. What is it about Brooklyn besides your origins there that led you to believe that Brooklyn would be a good place for you to be a gardener? Interesting. The origins was the main reason for coming back. Just, uh, <laughs> and what other better place to do it? I grew up in Manhattan. I'm a, I'm a Jersey kid. I could take the train over in 30, 40 minutes. But uh, it wasn't until I was older to where moving out was an option and finding a place to where you want to perfect your craft, where you can wake up every day fine-tuning what it is you need to. Okay, and so you you mentioned to me um, in, in kind of the pre-interview before we got into this that you left your corporate position to start with horticulture. Is that connected to your move from Jersey to Brooklyn? That is, and as you said that, a big smile. It was a bit of a sinister smile that came over my face, but I don't, I don't get to very rarely talk about it. But yeah, uh, it was. I was sitting in my office. I was on the ground floor, had a big glass window in front of me, looking out, seeing there was a lake, looking out at a lake and trees in New Jersey, and I wanted to be out there. Uh, it was going into winter then, so you don't want to not be working during the winter. So I stuck it out for, during the winter. During that time, I was still in New Jersey composting. Got all my compost. Dug probably a cylinder can, a big one, maybe like a garbage can. Stuck a bunch of holes in it. Put it in the ground. Worms could crawl through it. Put all my food scraps, all the family food scraps. Family's a huge thing. My dad's a gardener. I yeah. garden, my mom picked it up, festivals in the backyard, holidays, we garden together. It's it's really, uh, it's a thing that I want to get better at explaining. I feel I don't have to, just people see it in person. I would love everyone who hears this, everyone who already knows me to uh, pull up in person and let's uh, get some plants going, going good. <laughs> And okay, tell me, you said your dad is from Haiti, right? And yes. your mom is from Jamaica? Yes. What kind of, how did that influence the way that they garden and the way that they, I'm sure they taught you about what they know? Yeah. Uh, growing up, dad's office in the basement was the first place I found gardening books. And looking out my childhood bedroom, I have probably a Japanese maple, a lot of juniper shrubs, a lot of stuff just looking out very vividly. Even being home recently, I could wake up, open my blinds, shout out, hey, dad, and I'll be like, hey, <laughs> it's, it's really something, <laughs> really fun, something special. I think that it's remarkable with you having uh, parents, you know, being from Haiti and Jamaica that I don't detect any accent. Have you ever had an accent? No, uh, I haven't always been a speaker. Um, I, I love to speak now just because I love to speak about what I'm speaking about. Yeah. Ever since I moved out to Brooklyn, when you have a conversation with someone in the city, I feel the first question you get asked is, what do you do? And mm -hmm. when I first came out here working in plants, that was my question. That was my answer. Plants. Uh, <laughs> making money out of, off of plants in Brooklyn right now. And the conversation would always just veer towards plants. I've had maybe two, three years where every single conversation you have is about plants. And that's it. it. Yeah. And, and you're a plantrepreneur. Um, yes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, you know, just basically dealing in plants in an entrepreneurial way. I've heard uh, it before. Oh, awesome. Okay. Beautiful. That just, that helps our cause. So you, Oh my goodness, so many things that you do. So you do backyard gardens, like you do uh, private residential gardens, and you also do your horticultural thing for in other capacities. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started as an entrepreneur and with landscaping. That's what it is. That's what I was trying to get out. Yeah. How did you get started with that? So uh, first, as a guest, I want to say how well thought out 
every question you ask me, I just take a big breath. I'm like, oh man, this is beautiful. This is what should be talked about. Uh, I'm doing my best. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> one of my first clients, I say clients so loosely, uh, it's a garden in Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. That was the first place I I lived when I made the full-time move out from New Jersey to Brooklyn. Um, and I was growing tomatoes in their backyard. During that time, I was also working at a farmer's market. I was able to keep the fridge stocked of vegetables, come home every Sunday, we would cook dinner. Uh, from there, I met another person who I've been connected with. A lot of it is word of mouth. And I feel if everything is organic, you get really great people. I have people who I garden for who are very close, who I'm very close with. Um, and it's amazing that they need something that I can supply them with. Yeah. So when you say landscaping and you're talking about keeping gardens for your clients, the capacity of you being a landscaper, is it installing gardens or keeping up gardens for people? Because, you know, depending on who you ask, you'll get a different definition for what landscaping is. So what is your definition? Something I like to tell people is uh, before they ask what I do, I like to ask, what do you need done? Um, <laughs> I'm always trying to challenge myself. I want to try everything that's I feel that's why I'm able to do what I do uh, but ideally if someone can call me and be like I have a garden that's beautiful one of my most recent people I worked for an amazing horticulturist lives in Bed-Stuy has a beautiful backyard and just has gotten a little older has and can't tend to the garden it's a beautiful well thought out garden she's a part of Brooklyn Botanic Garden also and I was just able to restore it to where she has a very high standard. That's something I also feel I, I love about that. People who know about plants know they need a certain level of care done to this garden. This is the garden she has tended to for her life. Uh, also a Caribbean lady uh, has her backyard and, I love 150 different species, so many different plants, but wow. So maintenance, I, I could also do install. That's something great being, being in the gardening world. You meet people who can also do things, connections. Like I myself can't pour concrete, uh, mm -hmm. but I can always find someone who can do something and assist them. Um, that's more like hardscaping, right? Because there yeah. are different elements to landscaping that all of them do not include plants. And it is interesting to think about. Uh, and you also have to think to New York, the type of green space compared to other green spaces. It's interesting to think what attracts the eye as far as plants and the entire year span of it. Yeah, because you're you're definitely going to have your dormant season. You're absolutely going to have snow. And so you have to plan for the seasons. And and you definitely mentioned a few times that, you know, when it's winter, there's not really work. But so that leads me to my next question with it being winter. Uh, tell us more about what you're doing indoors, because I imagine that you would have to turn to your indoor gardening when it's too cold to do much outside. So how does that go for you with indoor gardening? I know you've done some uh, commercial like buildings and things like that. Yeah. So <laughs> interesting enough. Uh, so this past year, I've been working with my company for this is going to be my third year professionally gardening. And this most recent year, and it's always been exterior gardening. This most recent year, I picked up interior accounts. Uh, so I've been doing interior and exterior throughout the week. And from there, the winter, to be honest, this winter, I trained someone. So I will be able to take my winter. Winter is, yeah. And 
laughing to myself, but uh, when you're delighted, it sounds like you are just like really enjoying talking about your work and it's very exciting work that you do when you're into plants. I really hope everyone listening can uh, get the love that I'm trying to put through, through the phone right now, through this uh, beautiful podcast. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your compliments and listen, I'm here with you. I am standing right now because talking to a horticulturist as a plant enthusiast is a pretty big deal for me. And so another thing that is also exciting for me, because, you know, I like to, I'm mainly sourcing uh, interviewees via Instagram and I love your Instagram account at Brooklyn Plant Dad. Shout out to that. And one of the things that really caught my eye uh, was your, your photographs from Hawaii. Can you tell us what Hawaii was like? Because I know I would be losing it all over Hawaii with the plant life there. So can you tell us how you got there and, you know, what it was like for you? Yes. If I would want to talk about one thing, it would be Hawaii. That's kind of like a mind state that I'm in. Uh, Hmm. It was my first chance to take an extended trip. I've done a few couple week trips. This, This was for almost two months in Maui and it was at a good time it was my third winter gardening my first one just starting my second one was a little tougher it was my first year going through uh spring summer and fall and then winter I made it through it and that's when I found my professional gardening uh so with this first winter off I wanted to leave. I wanted to take full advantage of it. I landed on Maui and I continued to work. I found a great opportunity to where I worked for accommodations. It was kind of a type of work trade to where I was, I was living in a very nice situation and I was, it was perfect for me to where the fruit, the trees, the fruit trees that I was tending to, I was able to eat off of. So I had oranges every day and avocados every day the oranges I had to be a little more selective a smaller orange tree but big avocado tree I had avocados every day lemons every day eventually coconuts you gotta have coconuts in Hawaii right yes once you once you can the first time you open you crack open a coconut if I recommend anyone listening if you can get the chance to, if you find a coconut on the ground and you have the means to open it, it's a life-changing thing. You know you can always find something to keep you alive, coconuts. <laughs> that sounds like, that just sounds like a whole experience. Like I just saw a whole kind of vignette play out in my head of you kind of walking down this Hawaiian beach and finding a coconut and cracking it open. It makes me think of that, uh, that Tom Hanks movie. Yes, <laughs> he got- Castaway. And Wilson, I'll be in um, volleyball with a red handprint. Look at look at this, and you know your you know your Tom Hanks movie. So go off, I love that. And okay, so what about pineapples though? In Hawaii, are you a pineapple person? Did you have pineapple? So something this is gonna get some factual. Hawaii is like huge for pineapples, but. I hope I don't get quoted on this. I believe in like the last like six or eight, seven years, they switched from pineapples to a different crop. So I don't think pineapples are currently as, and I was on Maui. I don't believe they're as huge right now, but so let's say the town center that I live next to used to be a pineapple factory, but it's not currently. Interesting. See, okay. That's something to look into. I'm going to ask auntie Google about that because that is, (laughs) to me and that's fine uh you don't have to try to get into some you know really specific information that you're not certain about i would rather you sound like you know what you're talking about yeah that is that is my uh for my research and what i've heard yeah and i mean i get it it's you know it's agriculture and it's also business and hawaii definitely is very um they definitely got to make sure they get their money just like any other state does, you know, they are in a part of the United States. And um, speaking of Hawaii and United States and everything that we've been talking about with you 
and taking your winter breaks. You, you said that you wanted to tell us about an upcoming winter getaway that you have planned. Ooh, so yeah, tell us about it. Tell us about it. Where Brooklyn you- Plant Dad is going to Japan. Brooklyn Plant Dad will be in Japan. By the time this airs, Brooklyn Plant Dad will be in Japan. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I know the plant life there. Like the the climate there is really interesting. I'm not gonna lie and say I know a lot about it. Um, so that just leads me to uh, asking you about how much research have you done into climate there as well as the plant life there? Because I know that's a big point of interest for you. It is, and it's one of the reasons for my trips, especially my extended trips. And I've been I've been researching a lot. I've I've been just taking my time. I've been working on my Japanese and it, and it is winter there. So it will be cool. A lot of things will be dormant. Um, I feel some amazing things such as bonsais that are indoors. I will be able to see. I know, I know Kyoto where I'll be flying out of has a botanic garden. So I have more than enough time to just dedicate a day there. Okay, you know I'm going to be mad at you if you don't share pictures. Like, even if you're not putting them all on Instagram, send me pictures. I am very curious. I am delighted about this. Um, so I need you to promise right here on Black in the Garden that you will be sending or posting pictures. Promise on Black in the Garden, I will be posting pictures. A uh, quick shout out if anyone wants to be close friends that is where I, I share a lot of a lot of my stuff goes to you know ins- I'm trying to keep up with not keep up but Instagram had that green star button I, I use that a lot so let me know <laughs> let me know if you want to be on there oh on the close friends list. oh yeah you know once you get on the close <laughs> you're like oh we besties now you know what I mean yeah, sure. so, <laughs> definitely that's that's a good way to do it so um you know anybody who is trying to get on that close friends list <laughs> with Gerard. You know what? That's what's real funny, Gerard, is that I've been, we just been talking about Brooklyn Plant Dad the whole time. Your name is Gerard Bolell. Yes. That is, that is your actual name. Um, <laughs> look at me being a sloppy hostess <laughs> and getting all the way deep into the interview before I'm like, okay, your actual government is this. But oh, I mean, that's, that's not the headline. That's not what we hear about. In, in <laughs> what do you want to know? What was, is it? Yeah. In case anybody was wondering, this is Gerard, y'all. Say, so say hey. <laughs> what up? What up? Yeah. This is, wow, this has been really awesome. Um, I have so many more things that I want to ask. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to um, report with us again uh, sometime in the future just to talk about your experience in Japan because I really have you know, believe it or not, well, I'm sure anybody could believe it. I've been wanting to talk more about gardening abroad, uh, being Black and gardening abroad. So um, that should be interesting, as well as you going to Japan, which I know Black people go there, but I, that also leads me to the question about what what are you anticipating about your your Black experience being in Japan? Yeah, that's something I'm starting to deal with, or at least pay attention to as of recent, uh, someone brought up to me that I'll be probably the tallest person there. So, uh, and something else, yeah. I'm speaking enough Japanese to where I know manners. Uh, nice. I like to speak off of body language. I think I could read a room very well. Uh, it's going to be, I'm ready to live the same way. I'm ready to follow the rules. Right, I feel prepared, and whatever does happen, I'm gonna gonna take it. Keep going. Keep and going. let me give you a pro tip, right? Because just at a glance, I'm not saying that this is a literal interpretation, but at a glance, in Japan, you could pass for ludicrous. Okay, so you just come out with a hat on and some sunglasses, and you never know what can happen. But I'm telling you, you could definitely. <laughs> I was told by a friend if. Anyone, any basketball player, someone said Kobe Bryant or LeBron James, hashtag both those Word. go along with it. Y'all, if you look at Gerard's Instagram, he definitely don't look like Kobe Bryant. But <laughs> they don't know that. 
and being black in Japan, you, yeah, you could pass for whoever you want to pass for really, because, you know, that's just how it goes, you know, out there, but don't take my word for it entirely because I myself do not have Japan stamped on my passport as of yet. That's what I'm excited for. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, Okay, so now let's fast forward a few months, more than five months later to the summer of 2020. And I just had a follow-up conversation with Gerard and we got a, a little taste of what his trip to Japan was like. Of course, you can always shout him out on his Uh, social media if you want to get some more pictures or some more information about what all happened on that trip. But we got a snippet. And I say snippet because, listen, we talked back and forth, scheduling, booking of just that conversation that we had was quite a bit. Then we had the conversation. And when I go back to put the episode together, I didn't have the whole piece of the conversation that we had. So we got a good snippet. I want you to enjoy the uh, update with Gerard as he has been back in the States for a while. Pandemic broke out. No big deal. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, But yes. So part two. All right. So we are returning here in mid 2020. It is no longer 2020 because I feel like she just kind of disrespected us so she doesn't get to have a cute name no more. So we are here for a post-pandemic catch-up with Gerard, uh, who we know very affectionately as the Brooklyn Plant Dad. So it is just so good to get to talk to you again. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Gerard here. Yes. Welcome back. Oh my God. So did your hair change? Y'all we on zoom obviously, because like that is where we live now. (laughs) But so I'm looking at him. Um, I'm loving this, this Jimi Hendrix vibe I'm getting. He's got like a, a headband on with, with the fro like fully picked. So tell, tell us a little bit about how you're feeling as far as what you're putting out style wise. Uh, Style wise. Try to lead a men's garden fashion post pandemic. It's a different world. Uh, who is judging? We're all inside. No one's getting haircuts. Yes. Which looks good. Did it this morning. Uh, just doing what I have to to survive. I think people could relate to that. That is very much relatable because survival is kind of like become the unexpected theme of this year. And you know, it's June. So we've had a good three months to be hunkered down and to be, you know, feeling all of the emotions, all of them. Um, So yeah, like I said, six months into the year, which is halfway in, and also being like, what, three months into a pandemic. So I'm trying to figure out where to where to begin as far as catching up with you? I think last time. Where did you? <laughs> last yeah. Time I oh. was leaving for Japan. Uh, I got that. Back. Yeah, that was good. Uh, did some preparing, learned some skills, some bonsai, uh, picked up a little Japanese, Hanase, Nihongo. Uh, yeah. Just preparing you myself. You are bonsai? Is yeah. that a verb? Uh, the art of bonsai. Yeah, we can make it a verb. I, I'm already impressed. I knew that you were going to have an amazing experience. So, okay, cool. Let's not just dive right into the trash of 2020. Let's start with lighter fare. Uh, the last time that we spoke... And th- this is what you're hearing on this here episode because I am mashing it up, which is just, it's fun. It's, it's a different way to do it, especially considering the timing and how we, it was like then and now, right? It's, it's like one of those transformation shows when they go in and they do the landscaping. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> We're still alive. 
but it's funny because with the pandemic with you having like your mustache growing out and everything and the whole full beard and you're like ah we're not we're not really grooming ourselves anymore it's more like the before and after even kind of in reverse because we're in the upside down i am, you are I am grooming myself i'm just doing it myself rather than going to the barber that so this is a very curated look this is uh more bohemian maybe if like Jimi hendrix was like a sheriff this is mm. kind of, uh, going for it i could see that i could see that uh, i love this <laughs> so okay so as far as the trip to japan because i don't know how i be getting sidetracked in the way that i get sidetracked maybe i'll edit maybe i won't but how how was japan besides bonsai like how did you feel uh, experiencing the culture? I understand that that was not, was that your first time going or no? My first time. So even more of an experience because this is like your entry point visit, which becomes your point of reference for future visits. You know what I mean? Yes. So what would you tell future Gerard when he goes back to Japan? Um doing the same things, uh, hopefully staying longer. I was there for maybe seven or eight weeks. Uh, keep on practicing Japanese. I was studying mm -hmm. a lot before I left. Then I learned a lot while I was there. Uh, Immersion. What was that? Immersion. Yes, so I mm -hmm. dove fully into uh, Japanese culture. Yes eating ramen every day, maybe two, three times a day. Sushi. Jealous. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Jealous. Okay, wait, hold up. What was breakfast like? Because I, one thing that I appreciate about world travel or just world culture is the difference across cultures in breakfast. Okay, for, so in Japan, there's 7-Elevens or like five-star restaurants. People go there for breakfast, lunch, dinner. So Help my me. breakfast typically was uh, onigiri, which is a uh, Japanese rice ball with maybe like seaweed or salmon in it. For me, mm. 200 yen, which is equivalent to like a dollar fifty, and I did that probably every morning, every other morning. You said Seven Eleven is like a five-star restaurant. Pretty much, yeah. And you wouldn't know unless you were there to see it. But like, let's say you order ramen at a 7-Eleven, they'll microwave yes. it for you, they'll give you chopsticks, they'll get a nice little hand wipe. It's really nice out there. They, they take care of their customers and uh, the people. Oh my God. But we are pressed for time at this point. So I want you to tell us how we can get in touch with you, whether that be Instagram, social media, email, your website. How do we find you? So let's go. Find me on Instagram. If you've heard this podcast, then we're probably friends already. And if not, <laughs> then we're friends now. And yes. you may have to drag some posts out of me. But like I said, close friends. I'm not on Facebook. Uh, maybe I might have a website up, but uh, Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'll be sure to add add all of that. But yeah, if DMs and comments. I think that is what Instagram should be about. So okay. let's all connect. Okay, so you're, well, I already said it at the top of the show. Brooklyn Plant Dad, uh, at Brooklyn Plant Dad on yes. Instagram. And, and look out. Name on Twitter is G-E-E-Z-U-S underscore O-G. Jesus O-G, but with a G. Hi. Uh, that's why I'm not even going to get into what that means, but we will find you on Twitter there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to, you can. You don't have to. <laughs> you let me know what it is. Of course. Uh, and also look out for spring. I host a lot of events. So those are things yeah. I'm hoping to keep going. We got plant swaps, plant mixers. I've had a clay day, rooftop garden yoga. So uh, we're ready for the spring. We'll have tulips on deck. 
all the bulbs you're looking for. Probably got some daffodils, some snowdrops. She mentioned we met, we talked about landscaping. I could go in on all these plants, and one day I would love to maybe post Japan. We can get a real good chat in. Yeah, we can't wait. And I know that you you would want everybody to know that you are the plug for the tomatoes. Um, for anybody <laughs> who's trying to get the tomatoes popping for 2020, you got us right. Get it up in your backyard. Beautiful tomatoes. Eat them awesome. fresh. Excellent. Dope. You'll All never buy a grocery tomato again. Never buy gro- Never. Why would we want to do that after we have had At your... Brooklyn Planted? Yes. Well, Gerard, thank you so much. Gerard, a.k.a. Brooklyn Plant Dad. <laughs> thank you guys our- for entertaining me. It's been, been a blast. Let's it do- has been a blast. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Gerard, I would like to wish you love, light, and soil. And we out. I am so glad that y'all got to take that journey with us. Gerard started in Jersey, ended up in Brooklyn, becoming the Brooklyn plant dad, gardening in Maui, just like our uh, most previous guest, Nick Neighbor, was gardening over in Maui. He even, and then Gerard even was able to go and and explore botanical interests uh, in Japan a whole different continent. We just out here being black gardening in different continents. And it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. You know, I live for it because obviously black in the garden and I'm excited along those lines, speaking of international gardening, our next guest coming up next week is known as the plant mom Amsterdam. And her name is Monet McCullough. I'm very excited to get into her story. It's actually going to be a two-parter. All right. Once again, it's going to be amazing because she has so much to share. It's going to be a very, y'all. Okay. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just not going to spoil it, but all the more reason for you to join us again next week on Black in the Garden, which is going to be on time because, you know, we're professionals, right? (laughs) And by we, I mean me. And by me, I mean Cola B. Talking, your hostess, with the mostest of Black in the Garden podcast. I just want to wish y'all love, light, and soil. Check the show notes for any pertinent information, any housekeeping. Listen, it has been uh, a hill to climb to just get this particular episode out, not having anything to do with my guest or anything other than what I mentioned at the top of the show. Me literally fighting against myself child, but I'm going to win. All right. Either way it goes. It's a win-win. How do I lose when it's me? You get what I'm trying to say, Uh, which is love, light, and soil. That's what I'm trying to say because I'm really just trying to close out the show. And that's how I do it with love, light, and soil. Uh